Welcome to Wyoming Web Ed Radio. This is James Capte, Wyoming teacher and buckaroo for our ride. I am partnered with our lead writer, Maya Williams, UW professor, molding teachers' minds and keeping us in line. How you doing, Maya? I'm doing great. So, Maya, I, I've just been waiting for to talk to you. I, I've got a knock-knock joke for you. Knock-knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting Ooh. cow. <laughs> ah, it's like, I, I have to say, that's my... My 10-year-old son, Balin, that's his favorite joke in the world, and I've just been dying to share it with you. So, uh, <laughs> Well, thank you. We're riding into week eight, the final rodeo of season one, and we have all survived this, this, this hootenanny. Yeehaw! And so as, as we get ready for that, I, I know that tech expert in you, we've got this question for you. What are some things that you do to keep up? And, and we have a lot coming at us right now. So what do you do to keep up? Well, James, it depends if you're talking about keeping up with the laundry or the latest tech trends or educational trends. But I'm going to answer the easy one, which is the education question. Um, and I, I really like to scan Twitter. That's kind of my go-to right now. Um, there's so much there. I you know, scan through my feed. I look at different hashtags. And what I really like about it is that you get a bite-sized piece of information and it's there when I want it. I don't have to sign up for anything. I just can look and find what I need. And I really love that it's an international space of sharing. I can find energy and new ideas. I can talk to peers and I can link to tons of different information. Um, and so I really enjoy the different perspectives and it keeps me thinking forward. How do you keep up with this educational runaway train? You know, Twitter's such a great resource, Maya. I, I can't, I can't add to that enough. But, but I guess some of the ways I keep up is getting away, getting out, getting some exercise, getting some fresh air, uh, letting our mind get right. I, I think that's just such a, such an important thing to do, just to give ourselves a chance to take a breath and and get ready. Well, enough. Let's let's get this show on the dirt road. Head them up and move them out. Wild web ed, here we come. So please make sure you share your questions when they arise in the chat, and we will do our best to get any of those things answered. So let's give a Wyoming web ed welcome to Brian Cox, Milken award-winning principal and amazing student advocate who will speak today with us about equity and access in education. Hi, Brian, and welcome. Thanks for having me, James. So it's, it's a new year. And everybody's truly, we're all first year teachers, administrators. It's, it's just a new year for all of us. And the new year's starting with a lot of unknowns, but no surprises. We ha we've had a training run last year when the COVID kind of snuck up on us. So what do you think the biggest thing you learned from last year was? Well, I think the biggest thing that we learned uh, from last year is uh, really, quite frankly, how the digital divide uh, creates an even further learning gap for our students. And as we talk about the idea of um, equity, this really presents uh, an issue that, that all districts need to, to have in the back of their mind and uh, kind of be formulating ideas and ways to address. And, and when, you, when you talk about all those different ways uh, about access, and, uh, access and, and we think about equity, when we think about that term in a, in a public school, because our job is to provide a, a, an equitable education for all of our students. And so what does that term equity and access 
mean to you? Well, I think one of the things that we, we sometimes get caught up in or mistakenly uh, uh, phrase synonymously is the idea of equity and equality. And um, a lot of times uh, folks think that equality is the most important aspect and everybody needs to get the same equal share of things. And unfortunately, when we're talking about bridging this digital divide or closing the achievement gap, we really have to focus on that concept of equity and making sure that we're able to level that playing field for everyone involved and make sure most importantly that we have uh, created a situation where access to the learning is the most uh, important piece and being able to arrive at a juncture where um, the education is even attainable. Um, I can speak to, to my school specifically. We have roughly last year 788 students um, in my junior high school in seventh and eighth grade. When we went uh, on uh, lockdown, so to speak, with COVID, we had roughly 450 plus students uh, that needed to have hard copy packets prepared for them because they didn't either have a device or didn't have access to Wi-Fi uh, sufficient enough to be able to learn. And so when we look at trying to zoom into a meeting like we are today with the teacher for that one-on-one -on -one instruction, um, some learning can happen there in a pretty profound way. But if we're trying to learn that on our own by, by reading through a PowerPoint, um, that only further exacerbates some of the issues that we've, we've seen develop over the past few decades. Wow, you, you hit on such an important idea, Brian, in the sense of equal does not, is, is not the same thing as, as equitable. And so that's not always easy. And it's not always an easy conversation with schools and communities. But getting equitable access is, is, is a big piece of this, this new process we're in. So I know Maya's galloping along here and she's got something she's just dying to share with you. Well, I've got a question about those differences. You know, you're talking about the differences of the students, but they all need access. So what advice do you have or, or suggestions for dealing with providing that access for students? And what did you do with your own students? Well, in terms of providing access, um, I would tell you that, that our job as educators starts out with, with knocking down barriers. And first off, taking that as, as the philosophy, both as a principal, as a teacher, um, as a district level leadership, that needs to be at the forefront. Instead of saying, well, we can't do it because of this, the one thing that COVID has created for us that, that quite frankly, nothing else could have um, is an opportunity. And I know that sounds a little wonky when you talk about a pandemic and opportunity, but um, when you look at, at this crisis has created a situation for us to, to become uh, innovators of a new way to deliver education, a new way to reach students. And so um, ultimately, beginning uh, with our students and our, and our family members and finding out what they need, communicating with them to um, see how broad or how vast um, the COVID process has, has disabled that learning from these students. Um, once you've ascertained where your families are at, where your students are at, what kind of uh, technology is available, then comes the hard part, kind of putting the money, money where the mouth is, so to speak. And, and if you're not in a one-to-one -one situation in your school district, moving as fastly to that one-to-one -one as you can. Um, that's currently where my district is now. Um, we're instituting a one-to-one um, a student, initi student to computer uh, initiative here in grades seven through 12. And so with those devices, uh, we've even gone so far as to 
um, take some of that survey data that we've created from our families that don't have Wi-Fi access, and roughly 15 to 20% of those devices we're gonna be getting will be uh, Wi-Fi enabled so that the access to the internet isn't the barrier for uh, these families. I love what you're saying. I really, you're talking about listening and empathy and really getting to know the needs of the people that you serve and work with. And I, what, what an amazing way to approach your problem. I think that, um, you know, you're really, you're coming at it from a way that really goes with your definition of equity that you're talking about. You know, what do people need and then what can I do about it? Uh, James, I think you have another question. Thanks, Maya. And that actually, that answer leads right into this question. When we think about, we know this has been a huge shift for everybody, teachers, students, parents, all of us. So in getting ready for this year, what have you worked to, to front load to help all those groups? Well, I would, I would go back to the, the, the communication piece. Um, I've just spoken with my staff as well as our families and, and um, no joking at all here. One thing that I think was, is more critical for us to address than the COVID virus is the anxiety around the what ifs that we can't answer. Um, I think that right now, your anxiety can drive decision making um, in, in very often a negative manner um, if you're allowing that to fully dictate um, what's going on. And so um, with our population in, in my school district, we've tried to err on the side of communicating early and often um, and, and trying to get as many of those blanks filled in. So it's not left up to parents and guardians to, to figure out, well, if there's an answer uh, or excuse me, a question left unanswered, um, I better go ahead and fill in the blank with whatever I know to be true or whatever I'm hearing in the media. And so it goes back to making sure that you're getting the accurate information communicated out and uh, creating an environment where not only your, your parents and your community, but the students feel comfortable in reaching out to you. I've had several um, remind messages and calls from our students specifically just wanting to hear it straight from me that everything's going to be okay. So I think that's the big thing in all of it. And, and definitely that anxiety is such a huge deal, the unknowns. And, and I know, and I know Maya's anxious to ask her next question here. So hands off to Maya. Brian, this year we're, you know, kicking things off right now, but it's such a different year and it feels different. That energy that we normally have as teachers and students to start the year, it just feels different. So what are you doing at your school to build that back to school energy and work to create a sense of community for all the students? Well, I think if you take it back to the basics of Maslow's, the first thing we have to do is, is again, focus on that anxiety and figure out how to quell that. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about our Smart Start plans and being able to put those out for public consumption, really getting into the specificity, um, the details, um, letting families know that we've thought through different eventualities and how things might impact their students. And then not only that we've thought about them, but we've also found ways to knock those barriers out of the way. Um, you know, as we look at serving a large population of students, simple things like, uh, you know, drinking water become an issue. Uh, no longer can you access water fountains in, in the same manner that you are able to. Um, and so being able to simply provide a student with a water bottle that they can reuse daily and wash up at home 
um, along with obvious space mass of the governor's office um, and WDE have been able to um, work with communities to provide for our students. Um, but even then, just taking into account that if you have students using, um, you know, hand sanitizer and, and cleaners, uh, you know, multiple times throughout the day that they're probably going to have cracked hands um, before this thing's over. And so being able to provide simple things like lotion in classrooms for students to then um, apply as needed. And just those, those minor things that seem very, very inconsequential in the, in the big scope of things really boil down to, to uh, that communication level as these people care about my kids, so I trust them. And by building that trust with your families, um, it enables you uh, to, to not only do what's best for them, but create those open lines of communication back and forth. So Brian, you, you, you talked about communication and, and we know parents and staff in general are kind of just scared and, and deals with that anxiety. And so when we think about all the different communication tools and you've kind of thrown a couple different ones out there from, from using Remind to text-based things to what, what do you think is the, the best tool for those schools or administrators out there that are listening? What's the best way to address that communication piece for, for schools? You know, I, that's, I, I would tell you there's no one answer, and this, this definitely isn't to, to sidestep the question by any means, but I think one of the things that goes back to is finding out what your parents need most. One of the things that we learned from the spring uh, component that we went through was that we were over-communicating. A lot of times our, our parents, if they have multiple students um, at the high school level, the junior high level, and the elementary level, were receiving anywhere from 10 to 20 remind messages in a given day. Um, and I don't know about, about you guys, but if my phone's pinging off in my pocket every 20 minutes at work, it's increasing my anxiety, it's not lowering it. And so uh, talking to families and being able to, what's our best method of communication given these options in order for us to not only reach you in a timely fashion, but also get some feedback from you. Um, you know, one of the, the unique things about Remind that I'm a big fan of is you have the ability to make your, your cell phone open to all of your families. Um, and that's something that I've done and people, people in, um, that are my colleagues are said, are you crazy? Everybody now has your phone number. It masks your actual phone number, don't get me wrong. Um, but it gives them that sense of security and knowing that, oh, if I need it, I have instant access, right? It's not that, not that they all call me. I've maybe received five to six phone calls even since March from families. But if they need to in the moment, they know it's there. They know I'm accessible. And again, um, it's one of those things that just builds trust. I mean, we have the parents' phone number, so why shouldn't they have ours, right? You know, Brian, I, I wow, I just, when we start to think about ways, we have a generation of, of parents, especially, that are very used to communicating at whatever means meets them, whether it's through social media, whether it's through text, whether it's those. And so the idea of just using a newsletter or a phone call uh, doesn't, doesn't fit any, fit everyone anymore. And, and I truly appreciate, and I think everybody out there can appreciate that, but we've, we've got to find a way to meet them where they are. And so I, I, we got, we got another question from why I jumping in here. Well, I think we're getting to the end of this ride. So do you have any last comments for the listeners who might be struggling with establishing equity and access um, for their students? Yes, the, the one thing that, that I would throw out there is, is um, make sure that you listen as much as you talk in the sense that um, we need to pose the questions, but not pose the questions in a manner that make people think that we've already got the answer and we're just trying to lead them to it. 
we need to, to bring those questions forward to, to not only our parents and our students, but our staff members as well. Um, if you have a strong climate and culture in your building, you can navigate around a lot of these, you know, titanic-sized icebergs that we're trying to circumvent um, as part of this, this COVID-19 um, ordeal. Uh, but it all comes back down to erring on the side of putting in extra time, putting in extra communication, and seeking out opinions, making sure that things aren't done in a hasty manner um, or without explaining the why behind what it is we're doing. I think that would be the biggest message I would, I would send. So okay. I got, I got, I've got that secret question for you, Brian. I just, I just okay. want to know what's the one thing you're really looking forward to to start this year. You know, I will tell you just, just seeing the kids. I can tell you having um, hand delivered, sorted, filed 450 packets, hand delivered them to students' homes, um, with our clerical staff and administrative team here at Johnson. That I'm just, I'm excited to have kids back again. You know, I'm, I'm excited to help coach them through some of the emotional things that happen in, in that seventh and eighth grade year. Um, it's when they just need a lot of adults to show that they care and that we're here to support them. And I'm really excited to get back to a little bit more of that. Oh, amen to that. I am, I, I, I hear you. And I think all the teachers out there are just excited to see kids in, in person, not on a screen. And, and I don't think we'll ever underappreciate those interactions in the halls anymore. Well, we, would, we definitely would like to, to thank Brian for joining us today. And, and we would like to, to send a huge Wild Web Ed thank you to all the listeners out there and guests and co-host Maya, Joe, and to all the producers behind the scene that have helped edit, make things all this awesome. What an amazing start to this educational adventure and what a great tool we're creating for educators across the state of Wyoming and, and wherever. Oh, and, and wait. Oh yeah, that's right. Could you, would you, ain't you? If I ask it now, you can subscribe and kind of like Netflix, you can get the entire season of episodes, season one, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, wherever, you can subscribe and share these out as we get ready for season two. So next week, same time, same place. Happy trails to you. Wait, 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 wait. No, we won't be back next Tuesday. We won't be back until September 17th, ready to ride into season two. Because we got to let the horses recover, don't we, Maya? Yep, they're a little tired from this wild ride. That's right. So we'll see you then. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Take care.